Well, hello and welcome to episode number nine of the Abundant Living Ecuador podcast. I'm Jesse Bayer, here with Darnell Dunn. We're the co-founders and managing partners of Abundant Living Ecuador. I will remember for the second week in a row to plug the company. Uh, we are a real estate and relocation services company based out of Loja, Ecuador. Our business model is aimed at um, gaining gaining access or you know allowing for access to interna- international clientele into the southern Ecuadorian real estate market and we we have uh, several aspects of the business real estate relocation services investor services um, and we we try to uh, help people get good information on southern Ecuador find properties here and we facilitate the entire purchase and relocation process um, you can find us on our website at www.abecuador.com. That's A as in Apple, B as in Boy, Ecuador.com. You can reach us on our toll-free line, 888-999-0948. That's 888-999-0948. So we're going to go in a little bit different direction today. We have a little bit different show for you. Um, we uh, are going to talk about a project that we're in the process of, of uh, you know, getting ready to break ground on, really. Getting ready to get ready? <laughs> getting, that's, a, that's a bit of a virus here, the getting ready, but no. <laughs> um, getting, you know, the, a project that we really, really why we're in Ecuador. Um, so we're going to tell you really why we're in Ecuador and, and all about this project and, and just share that with you tonight. Um. So it really starts several years ago. Um, you know, Darnell at the time was, you know, he- head to the nose to the grindstone uh, in Boston, working for Putnam Investments, um, working very hard. I think he was also involved in um, a couple of other peripheral uh, entrepreneurial stuff that he was doing. So very very busy. Um, I was in New York City. I was um, pursuing an MBA uh, at night, working during the day, um, investing in real estate as well. You know, being a father, um, had a lot of debt, and you know, I think we were both kind of just like doing the American thing, um, which is you know try to make it happen and you know kill yourself working kind of deal. Living the dream. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, wow, well, I used to hear that all the time. I haven't heard that in a really long time. I'm very glad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you used to hear that not facetiously. Right. <laughs> hey, you know, how you doing? Living the dream. <laughs> right. Boston, it's like, and I don't know much about it other than what you've told me, but it's like, you know, Boston financial services culture. Like, <laughs> Anyhow, um, so from my, from my perspective, you know, I'm... Uh, at that time, you know, doing all of those things and something told me I, I needed to start reading, basically. Um, and I hadn't I hadn't read for pleasure in a number of years. I had, you know, very, very, very busy and, and you know, I put myself through college uh, working two jobs. And so I did a lot of reading, obviously, in college, but I hadn't read f- for pleasure in a long time. And I don't know, something was just bugging me internally, like, hey, I, I've got to start reading. So I bought a Kindle. Um, I figured, you know, my hour, approximately hour train ride to and from work every day uh, would be, you know, would be a good time to read. Didn't know what to read, knew I, I didn't want to read uh, fiction, so, you know, kind of was looking around for stuff to read. Of all things, I think the first book I bought was The Complete Writings of Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> which was kind of boring, to be honest with you, but had and some... And random. And random, and had, but had some interesting insight. From there, I, I read a book by Noam Chomsky. I read a book by Naomi Klein. I read a book by Russ Baker. and Noam Chomsky's a socialist, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes he pretty much, I would say, yes. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he, Noam Chomsky is a great researcher, of which I, I agree with none of his conclusions. <laughs> but, but, you know, he um, was actually one of the first people that I read. Um, we had a communications class and. I don't know, maybe freshman year of college. And he was like the first person that talked about or that I had read that talked about 
you know, the Iraq war and like right. mass communication and manipulation and all those kinds of things, which, you know, was really interesting. He was, it was a real eye opening experience. I only subsequently found out that he was foolish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, for, I mean, I personally have a ton of respect for Noam Chomsky. I think he's one of the world's great researchers. Again, I don't, I don't agree with any of his conclusions. Um, and I think he really misses the big picture on a lot of things, but, but as a researcher, you know, I think he's tremendous. Oh, absolutely. Um, anyhow, so one thing led to another, um, and, you know, it was really bugging me because I, I, you know, I read several other books after that, and what was happening is I was seeing these themes uh, and these, and even specifics, like specific names of people, specific characters, and specific corporations, and, you know, all these very specific things that I'm seeing written about by tremendous researchers who are mainstream, you know, at that time I'm reading mainstream stuff, um, who are writing about these conspiratorial-like events, you know, maybe JFK's death or, you know, stuff that was going on in Latin America by the CIA or, you know, these kinds of things. And I'm finding that the same names are popping up by these writers who are writing about completely different subjects and don't have any knowledge of each other's work and, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, that made me, I'm, I'm the kind of person that, like, I need to know everything, you know, if I can't, if there's something I'm not sure about, I have to check it out until I am sure. I don't like having really unanswered questions in my head. So that sent me down a, a trail of trying to figure out, well, how, how, do, how could that be if this guy was involved in this event and this event and this event by these, you know, very reputable, very well-researched scholars, you know, how, how can that be? And, you know, that basically opened up a Pandora's box. Um, I had a major just change in myself and my life and what I wanted to do with my life. I spent the next couple of years researching anywhere from you know two to 12 hours a day really i mean i was still going to work i was still pursuing my mba but they were on the back burner really in a certain extent because i i my whole worldview was shifting and i needed to find out if all of these things could possibly be true or not um i spent you know thousands of hours basically trying to prove to myself that this gigantic kind of conspiracy that i had stumbled upon wasn't true because it was the ramifications of it, if it was true, were so overwhelming um, for somebody who at that time was basically a liberal who was, you know, trying to get an MBA. <laughs> um, so, so you know, that took me down all kinds of paths um, and, you know, changed my worldview entirely. Um, you know, I came out of that period of time just believing... Um, you know, believing I really understood the truth on a lot of subjects because I had spent thousands of hours researching them and, you know, feeling like none of the things that I had believed to be true up until that time really were true. Um, so basically where that put me um, was, wow, you know, I don't want to live, I don't necessarily want to live in New York City anymore and, you know, continue my investing and, you know, continue my MBA program and have my daughter living here. Um, I remember also watching, you know, watching out my office window uh, for months before before I had any idea what they were. Uh, these these planes like leaving lines in the sky out my window and pointing it out to my boss. And we used to talk about it all the time. And and then one day I Googled it. And you know, for anyone who's gone down that rabbit hole, um, you know, you know what that's all about. But so I went down. You know, I went down every rabbit hole there was to go down. Um, I did it very meticulously. Um, you know, I'm a very, very skeptical person. It took me just an inordinate amount of time to figure out what was true and what wasn't. Um, but all of that led to, you know, holy shit, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, which which kind of put a lot of fear in me at that time of my life. This is going back, you know, I don't know, three years, four years or so. Um, and, you know, feeling like a change was in order and not really knowing what, what that change was. Um, so I was going back and forth with another friend, a mutual friend of ours, who actually was originally um, planning on coming to Ecuador as well, but wasn't able to make that happen. And we're kind of, you know, tossing solutions around. And, and one, day it, one day it dawns on me. And, you know, it just hit me like, 
like really like a ton of bricks to use an overused expression um it was like okay we can't fight this you know all this stuff that's going on and all this this world of of kind of uh coordinated darkness that <laughs> that seemed to be um you know really um everywhere and we you know we can't we there's no way to go against that um right i mean they've got they quote they <laughs> you know they've got uh you know everything on their side right i mean the, the the tv and and the education and the guns and the military and the cops and the you know and the all the enforcement systems and you know you name it federal uh, reserve the federal reserve exactly so um you know so that feels very hopeless for anybody who's i think for anybody who's researched this stuff and gone down some of these pathways you know that feels very hopeless but anyways it hit me one day it, it's like you can't fight them. What you have to do is create an alternative that makes them irrelevant. Because basically they function on consent and they use a lot of fear and a lot of kind of magic really to get that consent out of you. So, and what is the reason that people consent? They've consent because they feel they feel like they have to for their well-being. They feel like the things that are being offered are necessary. So what, what would have to be done is an alternative would have to be created, a, a, another option, basically, um, which makes them irrelevant or obsolete or, you know, ineffectual at, at the very least. Um, so I said to my friend at that time, I would say, you know, why don't we, why don't we go to South America, um, a place that is not as controlled as the United States was at that time and, of course, still is. Um, why don't we go to South America to a place that doesn't have the same degree of control mechanisms in place. Why don't we buy a gigantic piece of land? Why don't we do a development there um, that unleashes all of the technological and intellectual knowledge that we've accumulated over this time doing all of this research, unleash it in one place? So I'm talking, you know, Tesla technology, free energy. I'm talking about health and all of the hidden cures for everything. I'm talking about education, real education, you know, not, not public indoctrination. Um, I'm talking about systems of living. I'm talking about, you know, people like Nassim Haramein. I'm talking about all of the, you know, all of these, these incredible work that's been done by incredible people over thousands of years, but never allowed to flourish in any one place. So, and that certainly includes the money system and, and many other things, which, you know, hopefully we'll talk about tonight. Um, so that was the idea. And then basically from there, Darnell um, started, you know, hearing actually from our mutual friend about some of these ideas that we were kicking around you know he started doing his research um started realizing you know wow yeah this uh this you know, some of this stuff looks like it is going on maybe i also want to rethink you know some of my some of what i'm doing and then you know he ended up uh jumping in in the project thank god <laughs> very grateful for that and um and uh you know here we are three years later uh or so um having purchased purchased the land for this project it's um and maybe maybe i'll let you talk about the land maybe you want to talk about the land a little bit but um you know we purchased purchased this land and um yeah darnell jump in the, jump in the land and we'll go from there yeah sure you know i think um it might be important to take a a step back to really tie this to the real estate company as well i was kind of spearheading the research process for the property um visited it a lot of time a lot of times asked a lot of questions um just so much so much information from different parties and it was very hard especially with the language barrier to confirm what was true what was false and also to find out who the authorities were that I needed to speak to to find out the information that we needed to find out to see whether this was a property that we could purchase. And um, really throughout that process of doing the research, um, just a reminder here in Ecuador, there is no title research, so you're doing all of that yourself um, through the uh, local property register, um, you know, dealing with lawyers, all those other kinds of things, just to check and double check everything. And throughout that process, we realized that it's just very easy to make mistakes. 
um, with that size property, with the in- amount of investment that needs to go into the infrastructure um, of a development of that size, we ended up purchasing a property that's about 500 acres. Um, so just throughout that process, we realized that there was a lot of foreigners who are looking to retire or relocate to Ecuador, and they're going to need some help with these kinds of things. And so that's really where the idea to start the real estate company came from. The impetus in coming here was really to do the development, and we weren't thinking about a real estate company at all. So that's a little bit about how the real estate company ties into the land. The land specifically, again, is a 500 hectare, or excuse me, 500 acre piece of property, 202 hectares. Um, It's approximately five kilometers away from downtown Loja, but you feel like you're in a completely different world. I mean, you're, you're out in the country, essentially. The property is about somewhere around 40% flat, maybe, maximum. The overall piece of land is not flat, but there's flat areas throughout. Um, We've got multiple water sources on the property. The really interesting thing about that is that we're at the highest point of of this kind of rolling, you know, of the rolling hills in the valley. That's uh, about the top. The highest point is about 8,000 feet. Um, And you just there's nothing above us. So there's nothing to um, contaminate the water up there, uh, which was also something that we were looking for is a property where uh, we would be able to provide our own water Um, and just really have an enclosed system where everything worked, where all, if not most of the so we could source from the land and, um, you know, be able to have our own water source, find an energy source. That's, I think, really going to be the biggest challenge and just have a, a community that's self-sustaining and that doesn't have to plug into to um, the municipality's electricity or water um, for any extended period of time. Now, those solutions will be something that um, we'll take some time, we'll take some work, and, and we'll take, honestly, some collaboration. Um, but we're actively looking for, um, for participation in that way because it just has the potential to be something really special. Uh, currently, we're negotiating a deal for a piece of property that borders our property that, um, that we'd like to have be part of the development. So um, some financing ideas and things that we're working on now to be able to present the proposal to the property owners. We do have an advantage in the sense that we already have a pre-existing relationship. Uh, both properties were part of a, um, a family inheritance. It's the same family who owns it. They know what we want to do with it. They're excited about the project. And in, if, the, uh, if the offer is right, uh, we have a lot of confidence that we'll be able to, um, to add that to the eventual development. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just jumping back to the land for a second. So, you know, it borders thousands of hectares of protected forest as well. So there's no nobody can develop behind it at all. Um, you've got old growth forest that's on a forestal reserve for all the way to Zamora from where, uh, from where we are. So just a, a tremendous, huge piece of land. Um, you know, there's three distinct climates on the property. Darnell, you were mentioning it's 8,000 feet at the top. What is it? Maybe 6,500 or so at the bottom. Exactly. Um, so, you know, very different climates from top to bottom. Um, we've got two lagoons on the property. There's five streams. There's a river that borders the entire length of one side. Um, and that river is actually where um, one of the water sources for the city. For Aloha. Um, you know, there's o- some old growth forest as well on the property. The views are just stunning. Um, and really, the property just has an incredible energy to it. Um, I mean, you just feel amazing when you're out there. Um, it's, it's, and I mean, I, that's kind of universally agreed upon, even by people who, you know, wouldn't be apt to saying things like that, as I wouldn't have in the past. But, um, um, yeah, and, and it's, it's really, truly wilderness. I mean, I've seen bears out there twice, and you're five minutes from the city. So it's kind of interesting that way. Um, yeah, and just jumping back also is into the idea. So it's like, 
you know, and I came across this later in my kind of development and my research, but it's, you know, everything really is vibration. And when I say that, I don't mean that in some kind of new agey way. Like, scientists can very easily with, with measure vibration. Like, a peanut has a vibration, as does a word and a thought and a, you know, everything is, is really vibration. And, um, you know, your TV, your TV also has a vibration. Um, but, so, the idea really is... If you could create a place where people are living so well, and it's not just standard of living, although that's a big part of it, because again, if you pull people out of the monetary system, which steals about ninety percent of your labor through um, taxes, inflation, and hit, or, or excuse me, tax, taxes, hidden taxes, and inflation, um, if you take people out of the medical system, which is, destroys health, and you take people out of the education system, which I don't know destroys lives, basically. Um, and you put them in a place where solutions that have been hidden, really, um, are, are fully implemented and on display, your quality of life would be just incredible. But also just the, the vibration of the place would also be incredible, the kind of things that it would attract and people that it would attract. So the idea is if you're, if you're, ha if you're having this kind of situation in a s specific place, very quickly people in the surrounding area would kind of be peeking in and saying like wow like you know how does that lady spend all day in her garden like doesn't she have to work you know what, what are they doing over there that's you know those people look really happy like life looks really good over there what's um you know what's what's that all about and the idea would be able to say like here here you go here's what it is here's how you do it here's what it's all about the idea would be able to would be to have that new kind of new paradigm uh you know deal expand um so you started in a place and you expand outward and you know i don't know can you take can you can it expand outward into an area could it expand outward through the city could it take could it go through the county could it get through the state and i'm using you know obviously they don't have those here but it's the same we have the equivalent could it go through the state? Could it, you know, could it go through the country? How about a, how about the, a region, a region of South America? How about all of South America? How about the world, right? So it's, you know, to some people that sounds pie in the sky, and, and I can't say that in a certain way, you know, I wouldn't agree. But, you know, that's the idea. That's the idea. And, you know, I think, I for me, it really is a solution. It's the only solution um, to kind of the predicament we're in um, as a as a species. Um because going, you know, going through the powers that be and the systems that be to create change, you know, you've seen the results of that. We're living the results of that. Um, they're unfolding between before our eyes. So that's certainly not a solution. Well, there's revolution. Um, you know, we've seen the results of that as well, right? That's that's also uh, on display. There's also so, uh, something called a citizen's revolution. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> um <laughs> Darnell's cracking himself up over there. <laughs> so yeah, um, but anyways, that's that's really where this came from, and and that's what we're here to do. And yeah, the real estate company, as Darnell said, we found it out of the opportunity that we saw in that process of going through an experience of buying land here, and to bring people here and help people discover what we've discovered in this part of Ecuador. We think it's it's quite an, an amazing place to live. Um, but so that's kind of the background, anyhow, on the project. Um, I don't know. You want to get in? What do you want to get into? Do you want to get into some of the specifics, or where do you want to go from here? You know, I mean, something. You know, something that uh, you were having a conversation about before we got here made me made me think that it might make sense to chat about this a little bit. Um, with the uh, when. The gentleman you were talking to on the phone was talking about, you know, earth earthquakes and in volcanoes and those kinds of things. Um, I'm not sure how 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 much people who are listening in are in tune with what's going on here in Ecuador, but Ecuador actually has a, a fair amount of active volcanoes, and there was an eruption recently uh, with one of them, one of the one of the uh, volcanoes, and so people have been asking us. Well, what's that all about? Has that affected you all or anything like that? And I think that's the other thing that's really unique about southern Ecuador is that you've you've got 
a major fault line in the Ring of Fire that's off the coast of of, uh, of Chile, but we're really inland and fairly far north from there. So there's not there's not um, and we're not ex- really exposed to any of the volcanoes. It would really have to be a major eruption, and maybe we might experience some some ash or um, cloud cover as a result of an eruption. Um, but we're fairly far away from there, probably something like 300 miles or so with a lot of natural barriers given the topography of the country. We actually did have, we experienced our first earthquake the other day, not too far away. It was, it was in Peru, was the epicenter. It was a 7, 7.5 or something like that. But, you know, I mean, we experienced maybe a little bit of shaking or things like that, but it's, we're fairly insulated from those kinds of um, natural events as well too which is one of the other benefits i think uh, and one of the things i really like about southern ecuador compared to some of the other parts of ecuador yeah in south america in general right. i mean that was really why we settled on this on this particular part of of first ecuador and then of ecuador mm-hmm. no volcanoes no fault lines no nuclear energy facilities anywhere near here not near the coast um none of those kinds of you know sparsely populated um year-round growing season all those kinds of things so if you're worried about yeah from those like safety standpoint uh earth change or man-made disaster things i don't know that you can find a better spot on the planet i mean i've looked mm-hmm. so yeah just wanted to touch on that so what else about the land um yeah i mean you know our idea is to start with a restaurant um on the land it would be uh, a truly world-class restaurant um and it would attract clientele both internationally and and in loja there's a lot of money in loja and there's i don't think there's a single world-class dining experience in loja um so a a a so a restaurant you know potentially high up on the land with glass looking out over the city and the land fireplace patio you know beautiful kind of uh maybe more rustic but maybe you know new york style in terms of class kind of thing bar um you know and and farm to table so part of part of the project on the land overall is you know complete sustainability completely closed systems everything uh you know basically systemic leveraging of of everything of all of the systems um and that would include the restaurant as well um so you know, we, we we would look for an incredible and creative and um, and um, flexible chef who could work with um, the foods that are in season coming off the land, um, and 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 you know create a truly truly world class dining experience in Loja. We would also be doing looking to do it right away a, a spa as well. So uh, again, a, a you know truly five star spa turn Loja into a spa destination for that reason internationally we would use the spa in the restaurant to showcase the land and showcase the project of course as well um, we would implement many of the health solutions that we know about um, and have researched um, into the spa and potentially even the restaurant as well um, and then from there we would you know we would start putting in some of the systems you know we, we're not fly by the seat kind of guys um, we, we wouldn't we would not sell anything prior to, you know, doing it, which people do here and, and everywhere. I guess people do that. Um, you know, we would be putting in the systems in their entirety prior to, you know, sales, prior to, um, you know, certainly construction and, and those kinds of things. Um, the idea would be to, I mean, there'd be also, I mean, we've talked, we've, we've talked about, I mean, really, you know, creating and we, we believe in luxury also, you know, we're not, we don't we're not we're not hippies and and not that not or that, hipsters not or hipsters you know <laughs> not that i have anything against you know either group um but but that's not what we're about um so you know we don't believe in roughing it we don't we're not we're not looking to like half be camping uh you know we we like luxury um i believe in luxury i believe that you know you can you can do all of these things and also be extraordinarily comfortable in fact even potentially more so than well really definitely more so than you know, because you're not dealing with all of the debilitating things that some of these modern comforts bring if you're doing them right. Um, you know, one point I wanted to make about the restaurant is with the amount of microclimates that we have on the property, 
it really gives us um, the opportunity to source a lot of the materials, not e not just for the food, but also for the construction, the construction and things related to health as well too. Natural solutions for health, all on the same piece of property. Absolutely. And then you know, getting to the development, and we've touched on it a little. Ideally, we'd be implementing a free energy solution. Um, if we can't sort that out, we'll certainly look at the more normal energy alternatives. But uh, that's not ideal in our book. And and there are companies that are that are putting those kinds of products out now. And, and I'm quite sure that we'll find the resources we need for that. If we needed to go that route, the highest point of the property would be ideal for wind power. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's plenty of options for hydro as well mm -hmm. if, if we needed to do that. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of thing. I mean, imagine a place where, you know, energy clearing stuff has been implemented throughout. So, you know, may, you drive in and, and, you know, by the time you reach the gate, because of the, the structure of the materials that have been built, you know, you, you already feel great. And... And it just goes from there. Um, we would, we would um, also be looking at obviously lots of normal, completely normal stuff. We would, we would want to build beautiful sports facilities, which there's places for. Probably they would be interspersed throughout, as opposed to in one central location. But there's there's places to do all of that, especially if we're able to. Um, purchase some of these little lots that are connected to the land. Ultimately, we'd like to have the entire valley um, where we are. We have maybe, you know, two-thirds of it now, but we'd like to purchase the rest of it. There's this other big chunk that Darnell mentioned we're in the process of trying to purchase now. And then there's lots of little pieces that are all over that we'd like to have in the future. Um, so, yeah, so, and then and then the agricultural stuff is a huge part of it as well. So, you know, people could buy in basically buy shares or, or something of that nature and you know their food supply is outside their window um and you know we wouldn't be trying to put restrictions on things and all that we're not you know we don't we don't you know we're we don't believe in coercion you know so we're talking about a place you know free of coercion in all its forms um you know we very much believe in voluntarism and um you know that would be that would be to some degree the ideological underpinnings of of the of the commun of the development. Um, I hate the word community. But <laughs> I'm glad you caught yourself. It applies, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does, but it's like it has a lot of weird connotations. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and I mean, I feel that way because communities always fail because they're communal. It's like communities always fail because they're socialist or things. Yeah. Like they're like we, we, we. And like that's just not how life works, and so you know we're not we're not going to be creating you know organizations that get together and vote about what we all do. Those are voluntary associations, and you know, you know, we, so voluntary exchange, you know, voluntary associations, you know, voluntary uh, being the key word in general. Um, you know, if people are familiar with the work of Stefan Molyneux or Lysander Spooner, Spooner or a million others. Um, you know, that's very much in line ideologically with, with how we feel, you know, life works best. Um, so yeah, I mean, bike trails and, and, and hiking trails and, um, you know, all those kinds of things. Certainly, certainly there'll be some sort of, you know, the waste, waste as well will be yeah, an interesting, interesting topic to tackle. And, you know, we're looking for those brilliant and we ha actually we have really a lot of these people already lined up but it's like you know we're looking for those brilliant engineers out there who are looking for that playground to implement their ideas on some of this stuff you know we've got it um so you know and i'm not i don't know too much about some of these kinds of things you know i'm i'm far from an engineer <laughs> um so you know i mean i i struggled with uh 10th grade uh you know geometry mightily so you know that's not my thing but um, you know, so, you know, a waste system that in a sound, uh, way, both health wise and ecologically deals with the waste and then uses it. Um, and whether that uses, you know, it could be used even in energy production, but probably more likely or even, or as well in food production. 
um, and, you know, and, and all of those sorts of systemic things. Um, so, yeah, you know, that, that I think gives people a, a decent sense. Um, there's just so much out there and it's just so, it's so fascinating and it's, it's, it's very real. I mean, I've, ex- I, I was, you know, I used to laugh at these kinds of things when I was a kid, um, even up till not that many years ago, like people talk to me about, you know, sp- dimensions or energy or you know like hey this crystal does x y or z i mean like as far as i was concerned you know that person should be committed um but you know in the last few years like i i've experienced all that stuff firsthand and you know it's very it's very real you can absolutely affect things energetically through the intention of what you're trying to do and then the implementation of those ideas um so so, you know, that's kind of what this what this is all about to some degree. Um, education, the same thing. So, you know, I mean, imagine if your kids were learning the work of Nikola Tesla, were learning the work of Nassim Haramein, were learning about voluntary exchange and about, you know, those sorts of concepts. Um, you know, imagine if, if your kids were getting a real education. And, you know, if your kid was 12 years old, you know, working on a free energy system or, you know, or was you know, deeply involved in, in, in actual philosophy, you know, not, not the garbage that, that we've been fed. Um, so, you know, that's a piece of it and the, and the medicinal piece of it, as we've touched on briefly, but it's like, um, you know, there's just solutions for all those things and they're very well understood. They're just not implemented. People have to seek them out on their own. They often travel at high cost. And it's like, you know, that's, that's just, that's not the way it should be. Um, so, you know, I'm really excited about living there as, as this thing, as this thing uh, unfolds. I'm looking forward to drinking water out of the tap. Yeah, yeah, right. Un- you know, water that's not chlorinated and fluoridated and everything else. They don't fluoridate water here. They, they fluoridate salt. <laughs> but, but, um, Which is actually, if you want to get fluoride into people, it's actually a much more effective way. Yeah. It's like the only thing that Ecuador that they do better in Ecuador. Than they do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They fluoridate salt here, and then they make it illegal for restaurants to use non-fluoridated salt. It's because they say you're going to get some kind of disease, so they're just yeah. you know they're looking out for you. Yeah, they say they say it's good for your throat. <laughs> in the states, they say it's good for your teeth. Here, they say it's good for your throat. So your throat, your throat. And I've had multiple people tell me that when I like yeah anyhow. Um, with that <laughs> <laughs> because of course you know your throat needs a lot of maintenance it needs you know because otherwise yeah. you know if it doesn't have fluoride it's gonna fall out <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, yeah that's interesting yeah it is it is so yeah that's um you know that's why we're in ecuador um that's what we're here to do money system too you know that's another piece of it which i don't have the exact solution i've done a lot of reading on a lot of options and there's a lot there's some good ones out there um so we'll we'll be implementing some system of exchange i mean that's all money is money is a unit of exchange um you know it's just it's just a a inflated taxed unit of exchange so you know you you trade your labor for money and then your money for goods and you just lost almost all your labor so instead trade your labor for goods in some other way and <laughs> you don't lose all of your labor in that exchange you know it's it's not rocket science but very well hidden so very well hidden yeah it really is incredible how people how it's so hidden in that you don't really you really have to look into it to understand how it works that was maybe when back then that was maybe the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around was the money system the money system is is um it's difficult to 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 sort out i mean i i now i've got it great i can explain it to someone really simply you know that took me a long time to like get to that point i mean i there, i remember coming across this quote by and who knows how true this is but i and i don't re- this i don't remember researching its authenticity you know to a degree to be able to tell you i'm positive that that it's an accurate quote but but it's fairly widespread. It, it it may be accurate. And anyhow, the the quote supposedly was from a interest re- representing the Rothschild bankers in England, 
um, when they were trying to implement the Federal Reserve system that we're currently under in the United States. So this would have been somewhere in the early 1900s prior to 1913 when, when the Federal Reserve Act was passed. And I don't have the quote in front of me, but to paraphrase, he said, um, the, the money system is, is uh, so complicated that your average person can't doesn't have the capacity to understand it and those that can understand it will be so like levered to its benefits that they won't you know revolt basically was the was the point and you know it's very true because the way it works it's you know it's a zero sum game somebody wins and somebody loses for the most part so so yeah, you know, a different way, a different way, a better way. I mean, that's that's uh, really the point. Um, so we're we're you know full speed ahead, and yet also ninety percent of our energy right now is in the real estate company. Um, that's really what we're all about right now. Um, we could certainly use, as Darnell mentioned, um, you know, people people's energy to get behind this, and you know, f- whether that's ideas or, or more importantly, really financially, um, there is a lot of money to be made as well here, both in the real estate company and in this project. I mean, just like silly numbers, money, uh, like just it's a tremendous opportunity. I mean, in the real estate company, we have we have the opportunity to control. At the very least, an entire portion of a country's st- entire region of a country's real estate market, um, and that doesn't—I'm not saying every sale. I'm just saying like the stuff we'd like to to to, to represent. Um, and you know, as that happens, the financial rewards will be tremendous. Right now, you know, we'd like to grow faster than our budget allows. So if we had, you know, if we had people who wanted to reap those rewards with us we would be very open to to uh working something out in that regard and then on this other piece of land i mean the the land that we purchased we own free and clear uh we don't owe any money on it it's um valued it just we we had it valued it's it's valued it or assessed it's assessed at uh, 2.4 million um so that's you know an asset that's free and clear that we can use to leverage if we need to um, or, you know, to back up any sort of, you know, arrangement that we're making with somebody. Um, again, we're looking to purchase this other piece that's uh, connected to it. It's just an exquisite property. The owners want way too much for it, but um, as Darnell mentioned, I think if we came up with, you know, a decent offer and, and, and they've also expressed some flexibility as well in terms of the structure of the deal. Um, it's 125 acres or so, but... A much larger percent of it is flat than our land, and it also is the place where our right-of-way passes through, and so it gives us more flexibility in terms of how we construct our right-of-way, allows us to build it both wider and and, um, with the kind of lighting that we want to have and the kind of drainage that we want to have as well. Sidewalks. Sidewalks and all those kinds of things, so it makes it a lot more flexible and is going to make the piece that we own now better ultimately. and it's just a, it's just a beautiful piece of land kind of completes the piece of land that we have as right. you mentioned it, it previously it was part of it right. um, so so yeah you know we're we're looking for people who who uh you know feel our you know who uh have interest in our vision and and you know want to hop on board in some capacity um you know something i didn't get it the thing that I was going to mention to you before we got on the air as well is uh, I was a guest at a lunch meeting for a company called Ecuador Expat Journeys. They run six countrywide tours a year for people looking to learn more about Ecuador or relocate to Ecuador. And the I maybe spoke to 12 or 13 people. Um, who did the extension of the tour that includes um, a day in Vilcabamba and a day here in Loja. And I was talking about my experience and how I got here, uh, about the real estate company, and also about how we got here, you know, being the project. And the majority of the questions that I got outside of just, hey, Darnell, what's it like living here as a foreigner, were all about the development. So there's a lot of people 
who are looking to relocate or retire to South America are looking at Ecuador, are hearing more about Southern Ecuador, and are excited about the project that we have planned. And I didn't really get into details in terms of the systems. Really, I just focused on how beautiful the property is, its proximity to downtown, and the fact that not only is there going to be demand in my mind from foreigners, but also from local people who are looking to retire but don't want to go as far as Malacatos or Vilcabamba, which um, just for reference is about anywhere between 40 and 50 minutes away from the city. A lot of people have their lives here. They may have businesses um, and they just, you know, would like to their life is kind of here as opposed to there. Um, also issues with climate. Some people would prefer to be here versus there climate wise. And so it gives um, people here an option of a place to retire that's in the city, but not really. And I think that's those are some some of the um, some of the factors that that I think will influence demand for what we're bringing to the table. Yeah, that's a great point. Piggy piggybacking off of that, it's like people, families, and people worldwide are are really looking for this kind of thing. And I don't mean everybody, but some percentage of them, and a growing a growing number. Um, you know, so so we can present to people the idea of you're in a year-round warmth. Your food is outside your window. You've got every luxurious facility that you could ever want from any walk of life, on, you know, on your property, and you've got all these added bonuses in terms of the way we've gone about all of these things. So whether you're into that stuff or not, it's for you. Um, we're not saying like, hey, you know, you've got to believe in like this crystal energy work to like live here. <laughs> you know, that's, in fact, I mean, you know, we're not those kinds of people at all. We've just come to realize the validity of some of that stuff. <laughs> but um, but like it'll be great for those people. But it'll be great. I mean, it's just like, you know, a guy or a family who's like, wow, like I can raise my children here and like they can go play basketball over there and I can pick up my food over here. And if I want to go have dinner, I have a world here and I, there's a spa and <laughs> there's, you know. So, so yeah, you, yeah. I, I think you really hit on a good point. It's it's the fact that the way this development is going to come together would be great for anybody. The fact that we're doing the systems in a certain way is really just an added benefit, but it's going to deliver the same kind of experience that any kind of super luxury development would deliver. It's just going to do it in a way that's more conscientious in that some people will latch on to the to the ideology of that but you don't have to have that same ideology no, not at all. to think that it, to just be comfortable and enjoy what we're going to bring to the table right right exactly and then and then uh, you know the, to the point you were making uh, at, on far as far as the demand locally um world class housing options are just few and far between in loha and people have money here so it's like if Lohanos were presented with a place that's close to the city that is built to the, you know the highest international s- cities they would flock to so you know I, I agree with your your assessment of the possibility of local demand in that way and the other thing about that is that and this is the added benefit of the real estate company for anybody who's interested in potentially investing alongside us in that venture is that when that happens and when this development comes online and we're talking about you know 500 acres of space much of which is going to be used as as uh you know much a lot of which is going to be used for building homes think about the opportunity we're going to have as a real estate company when all those people who buy buy into our project want to sell their properties <laughs> Sure. Those are going to be a lot of really high-end places that those people are living in now that will have the opportunity. Right. And of course, we'll 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 sell the project through the real estate company right. as well, obviously, and and you know that'll be nice. Um, yeah. The other thing about it too is that these houses are not going to be on top of each other. We're not talking about lots like, hey, you know, I've got a lot and you know a fence because my neighbor's on the other side. These are going to be more like quintas or even even individual fincas um which are fincas means like a large piece of land and quinta is like bigger usually than like a lot lote um so what's cool about the land is like it's so varied 
that it's like I could have, you know, a hectare or three hectares or five hectares or 11 hectares if I wanted, you know, if I really wanted a property with space to roam and woods and streams and, you know, whatever. But whatever, whatever size I have, I could be relatively close to the next person's lot, but it could be on the other side of like a big hill that you, you don't even know they're there, much less feel like you're on top of them. So the idea is to have, you know, this is, is to have comfortable living, not suburban style living. Um, although if someone wanted a smaller lot of, you know, it's not that that won't be available. Um, but that's not the, the idea is really you live in this incredible place with all of these benefits and all of these options. Um, but, and they're right there, but you've got your own piece of land, potentially a large piece and, you know, you're king, you're king of your castle. You know, you, you want to, uh, you know, fish in your stream or whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't have a, a, an, a, anything off the top of my head, but whatever you want to do on, on your piece of land, you know you're you're able to do so so it's it's not a it's not an urban or suburban style development yeah it's really like living in the country while being very close to the city yeah yeah and that's the other cool thing about it you're five minutes from loja so if if there is stuff that you need which of course there is um you know you can just head to the city i mean we didn't start looking for land in the loja area um we ended up buying this piece of land in the Loja area just because of how special it was. Um, but we came to realize after the fact that, like, hey, it's pretty cool also that you're, like, in the wilderness and five minutes from Loja. So it solves a lot of needs for people, um, depend, you know, based on whatever they're... It's like, if you want to be in the country, you're good. If you want to be close to the city, you're good. Yeah, all with all of those fringe benefits that we were talking about. Yeah. All right. Uh, any so, other stuff you want to hit on? Well, I guess um, last thing um, we actually had uh, had to reschedule one of our guests, Dave Johnson from uh, Cuenca Expats, Expats Magazine. We'll be doing a show with him later this week, as well as Marco Munoz, who is a uh, local English-speaking lawyer who we work with. And uh, we'll have him on our next show and Dave on the show after that. So um, tune in for information from them. Uh, they'll be both great shows. Marco is um, a local lawyer here, works with a lot of foreigners, has office space in both Loja and Vilcabamba. Um, so we'll get to hear from him uh, on a wide variety of topics. He also um, works a lot with foreigners looking to get residency here. Um, so he can talk about that as well, too. And then with Dave, uh, as I mentioned on the last show, he's a, um, a, uh, a gentleman with 25 years of publishing experience. And he's launched the only English-speaking magazine in Cuenca. And he'll be on the show to talk about his transition, what brought him here to Ecuador, what living uh, in Ecuador with a family is like, and some of those kinds of things. So we're really excited to have both of those guests on. Uh, thanks again for tuning in to this episode, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Have a great night.